do you remember how you earned new skills before the pandemic? Maybe you took out several days in your calendar to get new inputs in a course room and met with other people from outside the usual office space. The two-year pandemic made this almost impossible and the learnings we've got from learning new skills digitally will now definitely be something that we can fit into our new reality of work. With digital activities, you're getting those fun, engaging activities with minimal prep time. However, the hybrid workplace is moving in on us and more and more people work remotely part-time or all of the time. So how can we be sure that everyone gets the same opportunities to learn something new? Will this be the end of in-person training completely? And then, how can we be sure to incorporate the social aspect of learning with each other during our workdays? Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Work 3.0, a podcast about our future workplace where we will dig deep into the trends and give you valuable tips to create the best workdays. My name is Sissel K. Nørgaard, and I'll be your host today. Today we are doing a little re-recording of a former live session that we did in front of an audience at the Nordic Learning Summit 2022 in Copenhagen, where the audio people unfortunately lost the recording. So now the guests and I will talk about the topic once again, but probably with some new inputs. And our guests today are Christian H. Sieskov, Global Learning and Development Director at Valtic. Welcome to you, Christian. Thanks a lot for having me. Of course. And Anne-Katrine Schepler-Holberg, who is VP of Customer Adoption at Learning Bank. Welcome to you as well, Anne-Katrine. Thank you, Cecil. And the reason why you are here is because we will talk about training after the pandemic in a hybrid workplace once again. Uh, and uh, the first question, in short, how did training of employees look like before the pandemic? Let's start with you and Katrine. Yeah. So, of course, what we saw before the pandemic was that we had a lot more classroom training sessions than what we have today. Uh, of course, based on the needs, uh, but also we had the possibility of traveling around the world uh, more easily before than what we had, of course, during the pandemic, but also today. Uh, and of course, we, we changed our mindset. Uh, but also, we started to see a lot more focus on the entire employee journey before uh, the COVID-19 And of course, we see that today as well. Uh, so focusing on pre-onboarding, but also topics as reboarding and offboarding. Uh, and of course, reboarding throughout the pandemic, because we saw a lot of uh, people sent home from the office. Uh, so we needed to have a focus on how to get them back and up and running in the best and possible way. And that's what uh, reboarding is all about, just yeah. for the for the people who maybe don't recognize that that term. Exactly, Cecil. Thank you. Yeah, so so that's some of the topics that we saw before the pandemic as well, and that we also have focused on today, from my point of view at least. And what about you, Christian? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think if, if I was to add a, a detail to it, I think what, what we also saw uh, prior to the pandemic was that I wouldn't call training necessarily an afterthought, but it was something that was accessible. Uh, you know, and people were thinking about it in a way like this is a training is accessible to me. We can do a classroom training if we want to. And all of a sudden, you know, those um, those possibilities just vanished completely. 
And we had to rethink really, really quickly how to address that issue. And how did you address that issue? So for, from our side, um, we looked quickly into how we could uh, establish um, links across countries. Um, it, in many ways, the pandemic um, became an accelerator for our global uh, initiative called Valtech Academy. It was basically just launched. We had uh, finished the global rollout in March 2020 of our learning management system. Uh, was ready to kick off this uh, new global organization and then the pandemic hit. Um, but, but what it you know, that was a shell shock, but, but within months we saw a, saw it actually being an accelerator for us. So we saw a, a big desire to meet online mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning of the pandemic. Of course, that changed a lot throughout the pandemic and, and we'll probably talk about that later on in, in, in this call as well. But, but basically, I, I think what we saw was, you know, the world opening itself to, to all of our employees in many ways, because what was, as Anne-Catherine said before, early on thought as something you needed to fly from one country to another to achieve was all of a sudden something you could only do online. So it became very natural for people from Brazil to reach out to Ukrainians or uh, Swedish uh, people to reach out to India. Uh, for training opportunities. And we, we just didn't see that in the past to the extent we did during the pandemic. So the Veltec Academy, it was purely digital or when you or did you have to make some rearrangements when you launched it at in March 2020? So, uh, of course, we, we launched the global learning management system with a focus on digitalizing what made sense to digitalize and, and, you know, create more e-learnings and, and more virtual classrooms. Um, but no, we, we, we actually saw, uh, of course, in the first half year, it was primarily online, but, but we saw a, a big uh, need from the offices that opened the first to meet again in person. Um, and I think that, you know, we, we, we are also seeing the consequences right now of uh of the pandemic in the sense that whenever we are offering something that's virtually only it really needs to be extremely relevant for people to even consider joining mm. because they are just you know done with online meetings we have a lot of people you know spending time in 20 to 40 meetings a week online and if they need to come to an online training session on top of that it really needs to be relevant so Now you started out talking a little bit about the trends we actually may might be seeing right now. So people uh, not necessarily want to do the online training no more. They need the social aspect or what do... Maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. And Katrine, what are your thoughts on this? So first of all, I'm I'm kind of happy to hear that uh, Christian and his team saw the positive side of uh, being forced to do digital uh, digital training and social digital training uh, in the sense that the that the 
the world was even smaller than what we saw before so that you can reach out across across countries even though i guess that might uh, give us some cultural perspectives as well on how do they train uh, employees in sweden compared to india and so forth but that's another discussion um, but anyway also kind of interesting um and and what i see on the trends today is is that we need to be aware to give our employees the possibility of learning in the flow of work so so when they actually have the time uh, to do it and i and i think that's also what christian address uh, so so if they have tons of uh, meetings uh, and they have a lot of things to go to and when they are at home and they need to to um, be aware of their own work time, then we need to give them the possibility of learning in the flow of work. So giving them the digital solution so that they can explore it themselves and and do the digital training whenever they have time um, in between the different meetings, just before we talked about this back-to-back meeting days. So of course, also giving them some tools so that they can be even more aware on how to plan their own time uh, when working from home as well as from the office um, and we need to support a very good office uh, or work culture so that we actually have the time and give them the time to train uh, as well as we uh, help them set goals on how to meet the different deadlines in a good way and uh, structure their time so that they meet all the different tasks that they are working with so so as a company we need to be aware of both a good learning culture but also a good hybrid workplace culture um and that could be small things just as uh, how do we schedule our calendar so that they actually know, uh, okay, well, we have some rules. And when I have this uh, light on, uh, that means, okay, I'm not available and that's okay, even though I'm at home. And it's small things, but it's something that that each employee needs to know to be um, to, to, to have a good feeling of, okay, but I'm doing my job good enough, even though I'm training right now uh, and I have this task to be done. But 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 that's how I schedule my day, if that makes any sense. Hmm. Yes. But I also want to to maybe double click a little bit on the thing you said about learning in the flow of work because Christian also said that it really has to be relevant uh, when uh, the employees uh, do these kind of uh, digital uh, learning uh, content. So how can you make sure that it's actually relevant uh, in a time where online uh, is really uh, occupying up a lot of time uh, still here in the hybrid workplace as well? Yeah, so maybe I can start and then I can throw the ball over to Christian afterwards. Uh, so I see two perspectives on on the relevance, um, and of course us as learning and development teams, we need to be really, really, really sharp on on the employee journeys that we create. So mapping out what's really relevant for each uh, target group is is one thing I think is really important, so that we don't give them tons of different options, but but we help them see what's relevant for their um, their workflow um, so, so that they won't be spammed with a lot of different topics. topics. So it's, it's a time issue, so it's a shorter uh, little micro-learning uh, 
pieces of content or is it about the content itself or the formats uh, how can you yeah i thought about it in a way where where it was the content so that we we won't give them uh, 10 different things to focus on if it's only five of them that's relevant for their specific role uh, but also of course making it more to the to the point uh, so that it's it's micro learning based or it could be blended learning so that you would have different elements as a part of the learning so so yeah so they can look into it in different ways it could be stretched as well over time so they won't have one and a half hour to use today but but they can use five minutes whenever they have time or 10 minutes so that's what i at least think is is one perspective and that's what's what's important. Yes. Christian, let's uh, throw the ball to you. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I see it in many ways the same way, but also have some nuances to it because uh, I'm having in general, and not because you mentioned it, but in general, a, a hard time with the, uh, the notion of learning in the flow of work, because I think employees do that naturally. Um, it, it's more so about making the formal learning offerings we provide as a company um accessible in the flow of work and make them relevant in the flow of work in the sense that there's been for the last 10 years in our industry a huge focus on content and content consumption and not being able to produce enough content and therefore needed to we needed to curate the content and um and still you know we have engagement issues from our end users. And I think to a great extent that that's because we're looking at it from the wrong side, basically. Because sure, we can find content that's super relevant for your role, but if it's not relevant for your tasks, you know, if it's not what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, then people won't engage with it. And that's where we really, I think we as learning professionals need to become much better at listening first and that's also, you know, if you look at the if 5DI uh, movement with the whole idea of instead of where you would traditionally look at what kind of content do we want to push to our uh, end users with 5DI, you're looking at what kind of behaviors would we like them to uh, to take and what is holding them back. And that whole, you know, those two first parts of the 5DI is really about listening. And we need to do that much, much better, especially so um on the you know at at the end of a pandemic where people are just fed up with uh, meetings and fed up with being online all the time and i also think um you know the positive sides of flexibility we have been good at embracing those but we are also now reaching a point where we as companies need to begin to set some uh, standards again because the completely flexible way of living I think is is not satisfying in the long run. Uh, at Valtic, we have we're, we're trying to address this now by saying, well, yes, we want to have a flexible work life for everyone, but we also want to do that uh, driven by a notion that we want to be more together than apart. And and now that you're talking about that, Christian, I was also wondering because we've already mentioned the hybrid workplace, and and now you mentioned the flexibility of work for everyone, um, and is it even possible to create training that embrace all kinds of employees that both work in office and some work remotely without losing the the social aspect of learning? Uh, how do you see that? 
I I think from from my side there is um there is a you know idealistic and a pragmatic answer to that. The idealistic answer is uh, no, I don't think you can do that. I think you should ideally um, cater all learning experiences for the exact end users. But that's a lot of work, right? Yeah, exactly. The more realistic, <laughs> pragmatic version of it is, of course, we need to be able to scale our resources. And we, we need to be able to, uh, or, or not resources, but more so efforts. And, and I think what we're dependent on here is that you have the right platforms, you have the right content, and that you really have that legal mentality to your content. Um, but also... But what, what, do, what do you mean about legal mentality? So uh, the typical micro-learning approach that was introduced five years ago was really to focus, you know, one learning objective, content, uh, call to action. I think you can take out the learning objective and the call to action and just focus on the, the little content piece. And then by having small legal breaks that look like that, you can actually put them next to each other and just do you know, some glue in between, and then you can repurpose your content, not for eternity, but you can use it in many different um, situations. And that's back to the point about relevancy. I think uh, what we what we need to do as learning professionals is, is that we need to see how we can kind of hack what seems like a lot of work. So an example is that we're doing some platform training right now um, on, on a finance system. And instead of spending a lot of time on doing an exam, what we've done is that we've put in a one-to-one -one, uh, session with the subject matter expert at the end of the learning journey. That That's the person supporting today anyway. And and he gets a lot of calls because people don't get it <laughs> anyway, because it's a very advanced system. So by putting him in, at the end of it, it, we add that social element to it. We're not actually adding extra work for him because he would just have done it in another context. And um, we're also adding a little bit of social pressure that that's often missing in in pure uh, digital learning uh, experiences. Yes. You know, because people honestly don't really care about uh, multiple choice exams. They can always just, just redo them. True. But if they have to meet somebody at the end of their learning journey, they do care. What do you think, Anne-Katrine? Yeah, I just uh, I just wanted to add that the rel relevantness is both, of course, making sure that they understand the examples we have in our digital training uh, or in the content that we create, uh, but also adding the social element because what we see when when we are uh, working from home is that we we get some kind of distance to our company and adding the social element as a part of uh, our trainings as well uh, is also helping us to be more uh, one unit as a company so so it's actually also helping us to to create this organizational culture uh, where everyone understands where we are heading towards as a company and how can I help achieve the goals that we have as a company. So setting goals for each employee is, of course, a big 
or a, an even bigger management t- task today uh, when we are a working hybrid. Uh, but but that can we that can be a part of our trainings as well to think these social elements as Christian also mentioned. And I think the way that you do it sounds really interesting, uh, and and it gives some kind of pressure to to actually understand what I just learned. Uh, so I won't just read or see the video while getting a coffee. I will actually pay attention. Uh, because I have a meeting with someone who is an expert afterwards and they use time on me to help me understand the system or whatever training that I do. So so I think I think that will help us be even more united as companies as well uh, when we are working on different areas or countries or different offices, home office and the office that we go to once in a while. And we are running out of time here. So just here close to the end, I will ask you, because now you have shared a lot of experiences, but what have you found out that didn't work out? Uh, What kind of learning content or upskilling methods didn't work out uh, during the pandemic and also here now that we are seeing the hybrid workplace moving in on us? Let's start with with you and Katrine. So of course the physical training wasn't that easy <laughs> throughout the the pandemic uh, but but I guess also just uh, overwhelming with tons of different uh, contents wasn't a good way of of uh, making our classroom trainings available in a digital way so so as i think christian also mentioned before we need to rethink and make it even smarter without using a lot of time of on uh, on creating new content because we might want to go back to some of our classroom trainings or we might want to rethink them today um so so this overwhelming way too many inputs uh, i think uh, was something that we saw wasn't that efficient throughout the pandemic uh, because there was a lot of things to focus on even just learning how to be working from home in a good way uh, was one thing that that many employees need to focus on throughout the pandemic. Yeah, I I would agree, and I think in general I would I would put it under one umbrella and just say I think more or less all push initiatives kind of failed because what they also failed on was uh, at least from our side, you know, we we came across like that idiot uh, entering a bar, you know, kicking the door in, yelling, "Let's have a party." Uh, start ordering shots for everyone, start bumping into people dancing, let's party, let's party, like here comes L&D. Whereas, you know, they were already learning. They were learning so much, you know, everyone had an intense learning curve throughout the pandemic because we're learning about ourselves, about our coworkers, about our families, (laughs) about hybrid work. Um, So so I think we failed whenever we failed to listen first. Uh, and I think that was, you know, it was became very clear during the pandemic, but it was probably also the case prior to the pandemic. And as I said before, you know, I think that is the future of, of L&D, uh, not only for the people involved, but also for the platforms 
you know, that we need to look not about it. It's not about profiling. It's, you know, I'm much more interested with the aggregated data pictures here, but understanding how people are actually engaging with our platforms before we just say, there's a new update. You've got to do like this. No, let's, let's get more insights before we act. Mm. So, so how would you do that in, uh, in practice, listening to your audience, uh, making focus groups before you do the content or what making focus group looking at you know the friction points in in the you know learning or performance journey so what is holding people back from performing the way we would like them to or the way we would expect that they would like to and if that's if it's not about performing well if we really want them want to teach them something then we need to understand if they want to be taught that topic in the first place anyway, you know, before we just start, you know, put 10 people in a room and completely sit in our ivory tower and start brainstorming about how the content should look, you know, let's figure out if they even want to learn this in the first place. Great. Do you have any final remarks and Katrina on what to do or not to do? No, I just, no, I just like the way of uh, of seeing it and and focus on listening before just uh, pushing uh, different contents to our uh, target groups and of course involving our subject matter experts, which we started on doing before the pandemic and will for sure do in the future as well. Awesome! Thank you so much, Christian and and Katrine, for sharing your insights. Of course. Thank <laughs> you for having us. Yeah. My name is Cecil Kornago, and this episode was brought to you by Learning Bank your next-generation learning platform built for today's workforce. Stay tuned for our next episode about the four-day workweek and whether it's a good idea or not. Thanks for listening.